Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You are with Lyle and Lawson and Janae. Yay, we've got Janae here joining us again. She's here all week. Of course, she's a year 10 student on work experience and so we're super excited to have Janae joining us. And we are about to talk about what we are thankful for this morning. Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? Ooh, let's see. Thankful for this morning. I would say, oh, I just got a a letter from my new employer that I start my second job on Tuesday next week. Nice! So just getting paid, getting it done, living my best (laughs) life. Lawson's working two jobs, going to go for a third. Oh, (laughs) Making the money. (laughs) If someone wants to just fill in my time, uh, the rest of my time, which is sleeping with another job. Hey, if it pays well enough, I'll just I'll just do put it. those dollar signs in front <laughs> yeah. of your eyes, prop your eyelids open, and keep going. <laughs> for sure. Why not? Janae, what are you thankful for this morning? Hey, you know what? After we finished up uh, with our radio session yesterday, I was just kind of hanging out with Shell, our producer. So I'm very thankful for Shell um, that I was able to learn a little bit more about radio from behind the scenes. So that was super cool. So thanks, Shell. That's awesome. Um, I'm pretty thankful for Shell as well. Just saying, just putting that out there. Um, she is pretty amazing, and uh, so yeah, that's 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 awesome. Let me see. What am I thankful for this morning? I am thankful. So uh, there's been this thing, this 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 project that has been bugging me for about a month on my house mm-hmm. and just annoying me. This beam that I've had to put in, and I've had to put in just like. I'm doing this Renault, for uh-huh. those who might mm-hmm. not know. And it's taken me like a month of building around this thing just to get it in there. And it's in and it's done and it's finished and it's over. What a win. And I can now put a floor down. Awesome. So my upper, upstairs room is going to have a floor. That's so good. Very, very <laughs> imminently. That's the next step to happen. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, we have to also remind people that we are running a Faith FM survey. If you want to say in our radio station, if you want to give us a uh, give us some insight into what we should talk about, how this show should run, um, you know, what we could do to improve, please give uh, a. I was going to say give us a call, but you can give us a call if you if you'd really like to. But you can go to the Faith FM website. That's faithfm.com.au, and you can follow the links to a survey, uh, which will be going until the 9th of April and if you fill out the survey you go in the running to win one of um, 10 $100 Visa gift cards yeah, which is decent. the Whoa. best kind of gift card I'm sick <laughs> of store based gift cards Visa gift cards are the way and us at Faith FM we're so ahead of the times that we have them so please get on faithfm.com.au and uh, yeah Fill out that survey. And the black texter has come to my rescue so that <laughs> I, can I, can keep, I, can, I can keep my I can keep my uh, my fellow co-hosts here from guile. <laughs> okay, the prize that we're winning today, apart from the gift card prize, that's if you do the survey, what is the prize if you get the actual answer to the quiz? Oh yeah, of course. I should have looked that up. We it's, <laughs> it's just loading yeah, it's on my kind, kind of one of those things here, but while you're while you're while you're looking that up, we'll just remind everybody. One eight hundred three two four eight Nope, it's not coming through. Okay, so we've got some phone calls coming through. We're going to go straight to Positively Different News because we are starting to run out of time and Janae has our Positively Different News this morning. Go for it, Janae. All right, so we have a few... 
kind and positive things on this morning. And one of the first things I saw was this act of kindness. And there was a 77-year-old substitute teacher known as Mr. V. This is in California in the United States. And he was living in his car because he was sending money over to his family in Mexico um, who was struggling. And uh, he'd been teaching for years. And so one... One day, one of his uh, former students walked past and noticed him in his car and kind of uh, realised his situation, and that former student was able to uh, set up a GoFundMe page, which was really cool, and that raised um, over $32,000 for this teacher, Mm. and it was just amazing... um, just looking at this this one um, act of kindness, how it can really transform someone's life. So this person, um, this teacher, is now kind of just using that money to get back on his feet, sending some, of course, back to his family in Mexico, um, who he misses a lot, but, uh, you know, all for the family. And that kind of just made me think of um, Matthew 25, that parable about the sheep and the goats. And um, Jesus is kind of just talking about, you know, if you do these things for other people, ultimately you're doing it for me. And I thought that was like just a really powerful um, story. Mm. It is. It's an awesome story. And, to you know, it's one of the things you often find with our immigrant families is that they will come from, you know, a developing country mm. and they will end up supporting large numbers of their family overseas just with the single income that they're earning here in this country. And mm. it's a great lesson to us in unselfishness. Mm. Yeah. And, it's, and this, this one as well, because, you know, go out, start a GoFundMe, get some good things happening. Yeah, of course. So that was just, yeah, I thought that was a great story. And kind of just now, on the other side of great stories, we have the environment. Um, and oh, that's I was my just favorite looking, thing to talk about. <laughs> yeah, Lawson's getting, getting all keen over here. Um, yeah, so just um, in Sinai, uh, which is, you know, in the biblical lands um, in the Middle East, and they're actually trying to turn that area from a desert into a forest. So they were kind of looking at um, what's been there in the past, and obviously, like in the Bible, it comes across as a desert. But apparently, um, there are signs that mm. it was, you know, heavily vegetated at one point. Um, and so they're kind of just wanting to turn, you know, that desert back into um, a forest. And they're using all of these techniques that uh, were kind of seen um, in this experiment so to say uh so to speak um in china that they did turning deserts into forests and that actually was successful um so they're doing things like taking sediments out of out of um a lake um and using that to create kind of like tableland so that you can get agriculture going and once you have that it refertilizes the soil and by refertilizing the soil then of course you have like the whole area just just you know coming back up again um, in vegetation. Mm. So that was really interesting as well. Yeah, it's, it, when you look at the history of the Jordan Valley, now if you go to the Jordan Valley today, yeah, it's a, it's a fertile place, but historically it used to be full of rainforests. Mm. Yeah. You know, wow. you would never ever think of the Jordan Valley having rainforests in it, but yeah. we know from the uh, archaeological research that has been done that it used to be full of rainforests. And so when you talk about, you know, when you read what the Bible says about the Jordan Valley and it says that it was, you know, like the Garden of Eden, like the Garden of the Lord, that's how it yeah, describes wow. it. Mm. You know, you would not, you would not, there is no way in a million years <laughs> would you ever describe the Jordan Valley using that kind of language today. And of course, the Sinai is just south of that. So, and uh, just, Basically a massive big desert. Yeah, yeah. Lawson, any thoughts? You're our greenie here. <laughs> our green- no, 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 no. I just, I just like electric cars and stuff. No, um, yeah, he no. just likes electric cars because they have lots of talk. Because they go really far. No, I, got, I love talking about environmental news because it's cool to see, you know, the innovations that are, that are coming out, what mm. people are doing. I love that, that, like, with this particular story, 
story, the steps that they're taking is to, you know, they've kind of surveyed the science that has worked in other places and they're, they're building something. So okay, so they're bringing sediment really in, so that makes sense. They bring in some topsoil, that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, that gets some agriculture going. What are they doing for water? Did the article talk Ooh. about yeah, water? Yeah, it did water. talk about water, actually. Oh, cool. So with the water, um, obviously the, this lake had been very filled up with all of the sediments that were coming down because this lake, um, I think it has a name. Yes, it does have a name. Well, all right, Lake Barterwill. <laughs> Lake Barterwill. And it's kind of at the base of, like, the mountains because, you know, obviously Sinai is a mountain place. Um, and so at the base, obviously, it's getting, you know, um, every everything coming down with erosion, stuff like that. So the water's kind of just struggling there a little bit. It's um, And it's hard to evaporate because, you know, it's at the base and it's also getting filled up. So what they were doing is they were planning to take that water out and take it up to kind of like the tops of the mountains and then putting it there so it'd be a lot easier to evaporate and then just kind of make the water cycle a little bit more efficient. Okay, so the water the water lands on the mountains, runs down to the lake, that then gets pumped back up onto the mountain. So mm-hmm. you're kind of just recycling the water, using it twice to you know water the ground. I guess. Yes, mm. that is a fantastic idea. That Why don't we do that in Australia? That's I a know. massive undertaking. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's a dude. The pumps, the 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 systems that's needed to create, like that you need to create to get that going. That's huge. Yeah. yeah, maybe you could do it with um, some kind of pumped hydro. Oh. oh. <laughs> Dude, Lyle's, this, this is Lyle's like favourite kind having of a, Having a, you know, a battery of the water table on top of the mountains that, yeah, it stores energy, mm. make energy on the way down, use that energy to pump it back up. Yeah, there's a bit of technology <laughs> happening there. Ah, the Israelis are smart people. It'd be interesting to see what they come up with. For sure. We need to uh, move on. This is Josh White with I Love My God. I love my God, but with no love of mine, for I have none to give. I love thee, Lord, but all the love is thine, for by thy life I live. And I am as nothing. Rejoice to be emptied and swallowed up in thee. Thou Lord alone art all thy children need, and there is none beside. From thee the streams of blessedness proceed, in thee the blessed abide.
Welcome back to Faith FM. We are continuing on the show with positively different news, but now we've come to more serious news, actually. But we I've just heard that we've had someone win the quiz. Oh, we got so, we got a winner already. We, we do have a winner. Uh, Shell's just giving us some information now. Uh, coming through, coming through from the production studio. Has it arrived yet? Not arrived producer. Yet. I think she's she's still on the phone with the person. So okay, well, you'll we will announce that in a moment. But a, well, if the quiz has been won, well then. Okay, so here comes the message. Here it comes. All right, we, we're gonna we're gonna have it right now. Here it is. Is it right? Okay, so Steve from Gillison Heights has won the quiz. Congratulations, Steve. Well done. But this means, uh, Law, what was the answer? Nathaniel. <laughs> Nathaniel. Yes. Oh, wow. Nathaniel, because uh, when he's seen under the fig tree, it stated that uh, Jesus says that he is a Hebrew in whom there is no guile. Man, I wouldn't have got it all from that. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, the word guile is not that much in the Bible. And when it said that phrase, it sort of... Initially, I'm like, yeah, that's Jesus. I, I went with what Janae said because mm. of First um, Peter chapter 2. Yes. But then I thought, well, that's too obvious. Who else could it be? And that just sort of rung a bell somewhere, niggled in the back of my mind. And so I wrote Nathaniel down. Got it right. There you go. Oh. And so did Steve. So there you go. On the first clue. So On the let's first see. Clue. We're, we're about to start another quiz. Um, and as soon as those um, clues come up, we will share that with you. Do we have those ready yet or not? Uh, those first clue quizzes? Uh, no. We right, do okay. So not. we're going to move on with our more serious news stories. And when they come through, um, our new system does take a little bit of time to refresh itself. Uh, we will actually give those clues out. But this is a story that comes out of Scotland. And uh, we're ready to go, are we? Yeah, yeah. We have a clue for the quiz. Okay. Person. This is a person. This is a who am I quiz. And this person was known to cut corners. Oh, that's interesting. Cut someone who's known, oh, someone oh, had a reputation I, I, for cutting corners. I'm going to take a guess. Yeah, this is going to be this is going to be Lawson's hero here. That's why he's going to take a guess. <laughs> <laughs> like this is the person that. Uh, let's see. Let's see if he gets it right. No. Wow, what was wrong. your guess? Uzzah. Azza. Azza. Ah, oh, yes, 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 yes. One of the priests. That's a good guess. One of the priests who, uh, you know, when they were transporting the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, he, uh, you know, because they were carrying it incorrectly, they had a stumble, he grabbed onto it and immediately died. Yep. So That was a good guess. Oh, that was a good guess. <laughs> I would never have gone there. Well done. Let's talk about Scotland. Right. Okay, so of course uh, Scotland, like the rest of the world, has um, had to deal with COVID closures. And that's been very, very frustrating for churches. Mm, uh, there's mm, been 27 mm, churches in Scotland sure. that have uh, got together to talk about or to um, actually take a case before the uh, courts to have their churches reopened, brought out of lockdown and so forth. Basically what they're saying is that the closures have been disproportionate. Yes. That they have criminalised worship. That's a pretty big statement. They're a breach of human rights and they're harmful to the congregants, the, mm. the congregation. And, of course, I'm not familiar with exactly what the measures are there in Scotland, but I'm very familiar with, you know, the measures in New South Wales, which have been incredibly disproportionate, you know, where you are allowed to, you know, go to a sports stadium and shout and sing and chant and do whatever you want to your heart's content without wearing a mask. And yet, you know, up until recently, you weren't even supposed to sing in church, mm. wearing a mask or not. 
Definitely. And so, yeah, there's sort of been a very, very disproportionate and discriminatory attitude by the government towards churches, and that's been harmful to congregations, been harmful to people's, um, you know, their, their spiritual health, their mental health, um, their sense of community uh, from a whole bunch of different perspectives. And so anyway, mm. anyway these, these 27 churches have taken it to, uh, to court in Scotland, uh, the Church of Scotland itself and others have disassociated themselves from it. Um, they're like, yeah, no, we, we, we agree with what the government is doing here, but they're saying that they uh, disagree. And uh, basically what it comes down to, what is really interesting is that the Scottish government uh, claims to have the right to regulate the secular activities of the church to protect public health. Mm-hmm. So this is a very right. interesting approach. So, so the church, so the government's basically said, okay, there are some activities that we cannot regulate, and there are some activities that we can regulate. And those activities that are secular, we can regulate, and those activities that are not secular, we can't regulate. Yes. Okay. So then they've taken the step and they've said, okay, public worship is secular. All right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can hear you. I can hear that. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a scary precedent. Okay. So think about this precedent for a moment. So basically, they've said public worship is secular. Private worship is not. What you do in your own home and your own personal connection with God—that's not secular. That's spiritual. But actually, going to church—that is secular. Se- that is the complete incorrect definition. Yeah. Well, secular doesn't it? It, it means like the definition is to be connected with religious or spiritual matters. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what church is about. <laughs> okay, so, um, and this is what they pointed out. Yeah, so so they, they've pointed out that this is a redefining of secular activity by the Scottish government uh, because when you've got a public gathering that is for the purpose of prayer, preaching, Bible study, praise, administration of the sacraments, mm. Mm. you can't define that as secular. It's a, that's no. it's impossible. And if you do define that as secular, then basically what you're saying is that we will protect your right to uh, think spiritual thoughts inside your head, and that's it. Yeah, wow. You know, if you take that precedent, you can apply that as far as you want, mm. and it comes down to, well, you're allowed to think spiritual things, but nothing yeah. beyond that. And it doesn't just stay within the, the context of covid no, it can COVID becomes the uh, the vehicle by which mm. redefinitions of words are made and precedences are set that can then in the future be used to restrict religious mm. liberty. Because you've got a lot of people that are worried about COVID, and rightfully so, um, that are saying, oh, we, you know, we need to have these laws to protect us. But what you're having happen mm. is exactly the same as what happened in 9-11 where laws were brought in to protect the people and to give them security but stripped away their freedoms. Mm. Mm. And the concept behind that is the concept of security over freedom rather than freedom over security. So security is supposed to bring freedom rather than freedom bringing security. And when we go down that path, well, if you want to find the people with the highest levels of, of security in the country, of course, they're all in prison. <laughs> right. That's not exactly freedom. It's interesting that, that Scotland's uh, – I have a friend from Ireland 
uh, he, he's an Irish guy, and he, like, basically, he was telling me that they're still in level five lockdown. Yeah, it's pretty pretty heavy over there. Yeah, he was, I was telling him, oh, you know, we went go-cutting on Sunday. Uh, like, you know, Australia's open, basically. Like, we're, we're good, you know. We went go-cutting except on Sunday. Oh, yeah, except for Brisbane. But we've got we, ten cases. <laughs> yikes. But, yeah, we went go-cutting on Sunday. We're right beside the Newcastle Knights Stadium. We're watching all the people pile into the mm. into the stadium, and it's like, cause, because there's no COVID. Like, yeah. there's no COVID. We're, we're good. And he's like, man, like, go-karts, dude, like, go-karting is a pretty... That was something, like, uh, activities like that opened up pretty quickly in Australia. Yes. Because it's like only 10 people can be there. That's right. Like, and you can be separated very easily and there's lots of fresh air. Exactly. And it's like... But he's like, no, like, that. we don't even have that at the moment. There's no haircuts. There's no go-karts. There's no shopping centres. There's nothing. We're still stuck inside. So... It seems as though, yeah, in in the area of the the United Kingdom and the surrounding regions, it's Church in Scotland is governed by the Westminster Confession that was put forward in the, the 1600s, which states that civil magistrates may not assume to themselves the administration of the word or the sacraments. Mm-hmm. And so, if you, which is a very good um, statement right there, but. If you control them, it's the same as administering, administrating them. Mm. And so that means that the civil magistrates can't decide who does it, when it happens. They can't decide that they can do it and they can't decide to stop it. Mm-hmm. And so this is a, this is a law that has, uh, um, governed the church and the state in the United Kingdom, uh, since the 1600s now. Mm. Obviously it's been violated many, many times, you know, down through history uh, yeah. since then, but it's been a long time since it's been violated again. Mm. Um, so they are now saying that the sacraments are, the, the government is now saying that the sacraments are under their jurisdiction. I feel like this is a didactic message for all of us, especially those of us in the church, just to be vig- like vigilant, um, especially when you look at what's happening, you know, not only there, but I'm sure this kind of, you know, uh, lack of religious freedom is, you know, ending in multiple areas. It is indeed, and we need to be aware of it. We need to be praying for it. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, kind of famous poem. I, I suspect that many of you would have heard this before. It goes like this. I had written him a letter which I, which I had for want of better knowledge sent to where I met him down the Lachlan years ago. He was shearing when I knew him, so I sent the letter to him, just on spec, addressed as follows, Clancy of the Overflow. And an answer came directed in a writing unexpected, and I think the same was written with a thumbnail dipped in tar. T'was his shearing mate who wrote it, and verbatim I will quote it. Clancy's gone to Queensland roving, and we don't know where he are. In my wild, erratic fancy, visions come to me of Clancy, gone a-droving down the Cooper where the western drovers go. And the stock are st- slowly stringing, Clancy rides behind them singing. For the drover's life has pleasures that the townsfolk never know. And the bush hath friends to meet him, and their kindly voices greet him, in the murmur of the breezes and the river on its bars. And he sees the vision splendid of the sunlit plains extended, and at night the wondrous glory of the everlasting stars. I am sitting in my dingy little office where a 
dingy ray of sunlight struggles feebly down between the houses tall and the fetid air and gritty of the dusty, dirty city. Through the open window floating spreads its foulness over all. And in place of lowing cattle, I can hear the fiendish rattle of the tramways and the buses making hurry down the street, and the language uninviting of the gutter children fighting comes fitfully and faintly through the ceaseless tramp of feet. And the hurrying people daunt me and their pallid faces haunt me as they shoulder one another in their rush and nervous haste, with their eager eyes and greedy and their stunted forms and weedy, for townsfolk have no time to grow. They have no time to waste. And somehow, and I somehow rather fancy that I'd like to change with Clancy, like to ta- take a turn at droving where the seasons come and go, while he faced the round eternal of the cash book and the journal. But I doubt he'd suit the office, Clancy of the Overflow. You might wonder why I read this particular poem here. I think that there's some great moral lessons within this poem in relationship to... You know, I guess one of the founders of our church, and, and Faith FM is um, is run by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, but one of the founders of our church, Ellen White, shared very similar sentiments to this on many occasions of the advantages of being, you know, locating ourselves in the country where we can be surrounded by the things that God created rather than within the cities and the city life mm. and the wholesomeness of country life. Joining us on the phone this morning is our uh, resident historian, Eliza Ma. Eliza, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Laura. It's nice to be here. Now, Eliza, we're going to be talking about Banjo Patterson this morning. Of course, we just started off with uh, one of his most famous poems. Uh, what can we learn about Banjo Patterson? What can you share with us about this Australian individual, very, very famous person? I think we find him on the $10 note. That's that's absolutely right, Lyle. And thank you for reading that so so uh, uh, vividly for us. Um, yeah, we do find him on the ten dollar note. He's known as a ballad writer, a horseman, a bushman, um, and a great Australian. And he really helped to make the Australian legend, as as you can tell from from listening to Clancy the Overflow. Um, what? Uh, people who know him a little bit better know about him is that he was also a solicitor. <laughs> um, he was a lawyer, so not just not just any desk, but a lawyer's desk in the city. Um, and he was a war correspondent during the uh, Second World War and the Boxer Rebellion, and um, he went um, over to Europe and the Middle East in the First World War as well. Mm. And so when you when you when you sort of to me when I read this poem right here it sort of speaks to both sides of Banjo Patterson's life you know born in the bush raised in the bush um a, a, a horseman a bushman somebody who traveled widely but who spent decades trapped in a stingy little office in the middle of Sydney mm-hmm. Absolutely and and really where we see his um, his passion coming from is not just from um, the town out of Yass that he grew up in, um, watching you know drovers and and so on come between Melbourne and Sydney, but um, something that people often miss about Banjo Patterson is um, his deep, uh, not just Christian ethic, but deep faith in God and. You know, this this really um, 
was established by his mother, who faithfully led, led family devotions with scripture and prayers every night. Um, Banjo Patterson was a Presbyterian. He, um, reading the King James Version, contributed to his love of literature when he was a child. And his mother made scripture real for her children. She explained biblical principles of self-sacrificing love and compassion for everyone. And this really comes out in some of his, um, some of his less known poetry. Um, in 1887, um, he wrote about um, the death of a jockey. And jockeys were uh, not, I mean, they're associated with horse racing, and that wasn't respected by, by good Christian people. But um, he cried out against the Christians of his day that would advertise their generous missionary work to the unreached peoples of the world, but would despise, um, as he called them, a foul-mouthed and ignorant jockey. And he, he gives a scathing rebuke to people who uh, don't share God's infinite grace um, with the people closest to home. Mm. And, of course, he could do that in such a incredibly powerful way because his his pen was um, yeah just a, mm. a, a very powerful tool for Banjo Patterson. He knew how to write and he knew how to use his pen and he used, knew how to make a very, very strong point. Mm. Yeah, do you want me to read a couple of verses? Sure, please do. Him you held less than the outer barbarian, left him to die in his ignorant sin. Have you no principles, humanitarian? Have you no precepts? Go gather them in. Fourteen years old. And what was he taught of it? What did he know of God's infinite grace? Draw the dark curtain of shame over the thought of it. Draw the shroud over the jockey boy's face. Yeah, that's incredibly powerful. Tell me, Eliza, why is it that we don't know more about Banjo Patterson's faith? I mean, just doing a little bit of uh, Googling about Banjo Patterson, you're going to find very, very little, uh, you know, a few snippets that talk about his mother's faith and the influence that that had on him, but, but that's really about all that there is. And, you know, those lines that you just read there are unbelievably powerful. Why don't we know more about Banjo Patterson's faith? That's a very good question, Lyle. <laughs> um, I think part of the reason is that Australia Australia today um, is a very secular society and we don't like to bring religion into um, the way we think about our nation. Um, there are a whole range of reasons why that might be so. Um, but um, let, let me draw um, from another group of people that we don't usually think of as deeply religious, but in fact were, and and perhaps um, our listeners will be a bit more familiar with this, the Anzacs. What, what do we think of when we think of the Anzacs? We think of Latins, we think of risk-takers who went off to war um, and got more than they bargained for. Mm. But yet, we forget that more than one million khaki Bibles were carried to war in Australian shirt pockets. Um, and Andrew Patterson went to war with the Anzacs. He was in his fifties. He wasn't really, he, he wasn't, he was too young, too, sorry, too old to go to war. But he went anyway and he trained horses. 
Um, and he trained the horses that charged him to be a Sheba in 1917. And we know from the diaries of the Anzacs that they, they felt they were liberating the land God had promised to Abraham. Uh, many of them were conscious that this was the route Jesus must have taken as a child returning from Egypt into Israel. Um, Anzacs were conscious of this. And yet, that isn't the picture we have of Anzacs. Um, why is that? Well, many historians aren't Christian, um, but also um, our political culture is is deeply, if not anti-Christian, then offended by Christianity or shy of, of their own faith. Yes, there's an attitude today that one's faith should be restricted to, well, what takes place inside your mind and mm-hmm. if it goes anywhere beyond that, and we were talking about that in the last segment, then mm-hmm. that's too much um, mm-hmm. and that the world needs to be protected from Christianity. So it's fine for you to think spiritual yeah. thoughts, just don't um, let that affect anyone else. Well, that's that's just not what mm-hmm. what Christianity or faith or religion is. Mm-hmm. And, and we think, I think, uh, part of the reason we're so careful to keep faith in our private lives is we think that that's what separation of church and state is about. And not at all about that. Um, when, when Voltaire established the principle of church and state, of separation of church and state, he was focused on the institution of the church not having political power. And when we hide our faith, when we hide, um, our morality, our principles from our public life for those, for those of us who have a public life. When we, um, when politicians, we know they have deep faith, but they will never discuss it. Isn't that an injury to their own, to their own self? Isn't that a, a splitting of the self? Um, isn't that a, a lie? that they hide the most important part of themselves for the sake of, what, convenience? Yes, and, you know, if you look back in history, as you're you know, talking about Voltaire and so forth, um, when we talk about separation of church and state, the idea behind that was that church and state would be separate, but good neighbours. Mm, yeah. And yeah, now we don't absolutely. want, we don't want, uh, well, we want, we, we don't even want the church. We, 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 the, the new atheism sees that the church should not be seen. You know, not, not just good neighbors, but that house that is next door to the state is one that should not be seen. You know, when you talk about, you know, separation of church and state in the United States, for instance, it was seen as a nation that was built on republicanism and Protestantism. You know, the two powers, yeah. the two separate powers yeah. that were the foundation of, you know, the, the nation. And that Protestantism was always a very private thing, um, although a, a very individual thing. But that didn't stop it getting into politics and influencing politics and creating a, a godly foundation for a country. Um, the Protestants who went over to the States um, quickly found out that intolerance of other Protestants who were also fleeing Europe um, in in search for a place where they could exercise their own faith. Um, the Protestants who fled there quickly found that intolerance of the kind that 
um, existed in Europe didn't work. Mm. And and so in in the United States, we see this fascinating, fascinating development of a government um, that was very, um, very small government that allowed for people to pursue their own faith. And here in Australia, we have this incredible, deeply committed Christian man, Sandra Patterson, on our $10 note. Everyone knows his name. Everyone knows Waltzing Matilda um, that he wrote. But do we know that he was a deep, deeply committed Christian? Oh, no, no. Well, you know, that's his private life. Um, we, we forget. And, you know, he, he died in 1941. It was a long time ago. But he still continues to influence us in ways that you know, we, we have an inkling of. Um, but it's so important to remember where that comes from. Yes, and it's, it's, it's sad that we have um, that we've pre- preserved his poems that don't mention God, and we haven't preserved those that do. Um, yeah. You know, and, and these are great poems, and they and they teach great lessons. You know, Clancy the Overflow, mm-hmm. um, um, the Man from Snowy River, and so forth. So many, so many of these, yeah, man from Iron Bark, I remember memorising that one in primary school. Moulderbill and Bicycle. Uh-huh, the Debung Polo Club. We could, we could rattle off these ones all day long, and yet we know nothing about the man's walk with God and what he actually wrote about God and about his faith in God, which I think is a real tragedy. Mm-hmm. Eliza, thank you so much for sharing with us about Banjo Patterson this morning and his faith in God. Uh- Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.